Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you for joining me this morning. Today, we are starting a new series, and we're going to be working through the Epistle of Paul, an apostle to the Romans, so the book of Romans. Uh, We're going to be dealing with chapter 1 today. Now, Romans uh, is thick with a lot of things. And so just a full disclosure, uh, in the short time that we have when we uh, go through these studies, I'm not going to be able to cover every little detail, every little subject. Uh, so try not to be frustrated if there's something that that calls out to you and I don't uh, get it addressed. I'm going to do the best I can, so be praying for me and be praying for the podcast. And uh, my hope is that these words will go forth and pierce your hearts and cause you to draw closer to God. My goal is not uh, perfection or to cover uh, every nuance uh, that we find in these scriptures. The book of Romans, again, written by Paul. And uh, we just finished the book of Acts. And in the Bible, Romans is the next book. And you have this stage set where Paul is in Rome. He's on house arrest, and that's and he's preaching the gospel from house arrest. And that's kind of how the book of Acts ends. And then we pick up with Romans, and we could make the assumption that, hey, he's writing this to the Romans while he's in Rome, but that's actually not the case. Um, this, is, uh, this epistle was likely written from Corinth uh, during his third visit to the city. And, uh, you know, he's talking to the Roman church about his intention to visit, right, uh, Rome as soon as possible. This first chapter, basically, uh, you have the opening words of Paul. Uh, He prays for the saints at Rome, expresses his desire to see them, to meet them. He gives the gospel in the way of justification, and that is that justification is by faith and by faith alone for Jews and Gentiles. And in verses 18 through 32, he deals with these wicked sins of the Gentiles. Sins that we see, it's, it's almost like it's written to society in 2022. All the same problems, um, everything. And so it's a word for us this morning. So, without further delay, I'm going to read Romans chapter 1, give some thoughts, some additional scriptures, and we'll wrap up with a little bit of commentary from Matthew Henry. And I just pray that you'll be blessed. So open up your hearts, and let's see what the Word of God has to say to us this morning. Chapter 1. King James Bible. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith 
among all nations for his name. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now, at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I proposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. Please note, what he's saying there when he says, I am a debtor both to Greeks and barbarians, both to wise and unwise, is that what he's getting at is his mission is to preach the gospel to all people, regardless of class, stature, um, any of that. It doesn't matter if you're Greek or you're Jewish, if you're rich or poor, learned, unlearned, he, he has a mission, and it is to preach the gospel to all people. Verse 15. So, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are, it, that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, that is, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So please note, again, he's talking about preaching the gospel and that he's not ashamed of the good news, that is, that Christ paid the penalty of our sins on the cross and that God rose him from the dead three days later. That's the good news. Salvation comes to those who believe that. To the Jew first, right? Because Christ came to Israel first and the gospel went out to the Jews first. And now it's going out to the Gentiles. And he's saying for Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. He's saying it's faith. It's about faith. And in fact, it always has been faith. He's quoting from the prophet Habakkuk. So if we go to Habakkuk chapter 2, I'm going to read you four verses. Habakkuk has just done his complaint before God. The whole world is wicked. Everywhere I look, there's evil. They have no regard for your law. 
It's just perversity and wickedness all the time. What are you going to do about it? And we get to chapter 2. And Habakkuk says, okay, I'm going to wait. I know that I must be wrong about what I'm saying because I'm human and God's God. So I'm going to wait for God to give me correction. So if you go to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and he said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Verse 4, Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. That's where Paul's pulling that. Continuing on, Romans verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, those who hide the truth, suppress the truth. Sound like a familiar problem? Verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So please note, he's talking about all these people who suppress the truth, who are unrighteous. He says they're without excuse, right? Because you can clearly look at creation. You can look at a tree, you can... You can look at an insect. You can look at a creature. Obviously, there's a creator, right? Just like you wouldn't drive through a neighborhood and go, man, look at all these houses. I can't believe they just, over billions of years, <laughs> formed, right? And how much more complex is a human being than a house? A human being which feels, thinks, builds, creates, hates, loves, heals, right? You get a scratch in your body, heals. Obviously, no one could, with any sense at all, could look at a human being and look at the DNA and look at the cells and how they come together to go rebuild. And It's absurd to say, oh, over billions of years, before, I mean, you have to be a complete moron to actually believe that. Paul's saying nobody really believes that, right? Like they're making a choice to believe that. And that's true today. He's saying they're without excuse because obviously creation itself screams creator, right? Verse 21. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools you see there's nothing new under the sun what Paul's talking about to the Romans we see today it's like the more learned and the more educated people get the more foolish they become why because they set their thoughts and their imaginations on nonsense because they're so desperate for there not to be a God so that they don't have to be accountable for the way they act and live their lives 
Verse 22 again, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and they changed the glory of an uncorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible man, and of birds, and of four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Please note, he's talking about idolatry. The only difference is today, instead of worshiping creatures, we worship ourselves. Verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up. So we're getting ready to deal with the results of Gentile apostasy, okay? And we just covered this a couple of weeks ago. I'll talk about that more in a second. Let's finish the chapter here. Wherefore, in other words, because of all this, because even though they know God, they refuse to worship him as God, they decided to worship creatures and things instead. Instead of being wise, they became fools. Even though creation clearly says there's a God, they say they try to ignore that. As a result of that, wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, in other words, because of that, for this reason, God gave them up unto their vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one towards another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meat. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the things which are not convenient. Please note, God gave them over to their lust because they refused to retain God in their knowledge. That's what we're seeing in our culture today. Oh, we got to get God out of everything. Let's pretend God doesn't exist. Uh, let's just worship ourselves. And God says, okay, then I'm going to give you over to the wickedness that's in your heart. You see, what restrains you from sin is not so much your effort and your abilities as it is God's mercy. God's mercy restrains you from doing the thing that you shouldn't do, even though you may want to do it. It's not your own will. It's the Spirit of God. But if you say, there is no God, I don't want anything to do with that, he's not going to restrain it anymore, and you're going to go into complete depravity. That's what's happening. David knew this and understood this. If you go to Psalm 19, verse 13, listen to what he says. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. He's saying, God, keep them, keep me back from it. Let them not have dominion over me, then I shall be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression, which would be unbelief. David's saying, keep me back from those sins that would be intentional, that I would just do out of the own wickedness of my flesh. Keep me back from it. God is the only one who can really restrain us from evil but if we refuse to retain God in our knowledge we become wise in our own eyes 
He gives us over to those things. And what is the result? You even have men giving up the natural use of a woman and instead burning in, in their lust for one another. Same with women. Confusion. Sexual deviancy. All of that. Let me read this again. We're almost done. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, that's any form of sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, in other words, gossip, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, in other words, they don't keep their word, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, last verse, who knowing the judgment of God, another, look, they're not confused, nobody's confused about this, they know the judgment of God, who knowing the judgment of God that they who commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. We talked about this a few weeks ago. That's the end of Romans 1, by the way. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I created a podcast called Unbelief, Its Consequences, and the Sin of Approving Sin. In other words, do not think that because you're standing off on the sidelines and you're not actively, physically engaging in the sin, but you're standing back and you're gaining pleasure from those who are doing it, like you enjoy seeing it, you're plotting it, you're waving the flag in the, your front yard, you support the wickedness, you take pleasure in that evil, you're, the, you're just as guilty according to the scriptures. You are under the wrath of God just as those who are doing the behavior. This is not they which commit such things which are worthy of death, not, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. It's just as bad. You're just as guilty. That's what the scriptures say. Don't be mad at me about it. If you don't like it, take it up with God. It's His Word. I'm simply telling you what His Word says. Let me end with some commentary from Matthew Henry. It's just a couple of sentences long here about those last few verses dealing with the Gentile apostasy. Here's what he says. In the horrible depravity of the heathen, the truth of our Lord's words was shown. And then he quotes from the scriptures, Light was come into the world, but men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For he that doeth evil hateth the light. The truth was not to their taste. We know how soon a man will contrive against the strongest evidence to reason himself out of the belief of what he dislikes. But a man cannot be brought to greater slavery than to be given up to his own lust. As the Gentiles did not like to keep God in their knowledge, they committed crimes wholly against reason, 
and their own welfare. The nature of man, whether pagan or Christian, is still the same. And the charges of the apostle apply more or less to the state and character of men at all times till they are brought to full submission to the faith of Christ and renewed by divine power. There never yet was a man who had not reason to lament his strong corruptions and his secret dislike to the will of God. Therefore, this chapter is a call to self-examination the end of which should be a deep conviction of sin and the necessity of deliverance from a state of condemnation. These are wise words from Matthew Henry. He's saying there's not been a man yet that's ever lived who didn't have strong corruptions in his heart, right? Or in secret, had a little bit of dislike towards some of the will of God because there's this thing I want to do because my flesh desires it. He says, this chapter is, if anything, should call you to examine your own self. And if you read this and you don't feel convicted of sin, hmm. And if it doesn't cause you to get on your face before God and beg for deliverance from that thing, that you know, because everybody has a bend towards some sin. And we have to wrestle with it, and we have to beg God, like David did in that psalm. Keep your servant, Lord. Keep back thy servant from the presumptuous sin. Don't let it have rule over me. Then I can be upright. Then I can be innocent. I pray you've been blessed this morning and strengthened and challenged. And I, I hope that your heart's pierced. And if it causes you to get on your face before God and renew that relationship, then I, then I just feel blessed to have been a part of it. Thank you for listening. If you want to support the Mission of Truth, go to scriptureandprophecy.com. There's a support tab at the top, and you can uh, help support this work that's being done here every week. That's all I have for you this morning. Peace and grace be with all of you, and until next time, God bless.